the way of the exile. How are we tonight, Undone? Steersy. Good to see you, Steersy. So good. Steersy, uh, some of you know Steersy. He um, worked at Think for a while, um, started his own business. He's huge. He's such a legend. We love Steersy. Um, how good was it to see our new drummer? Where's he gone? Yeah, Levi. Um, I think it's so fantastic um, to see people having a go, the next generation rising up and just having a crack because we want to see that, don't we? And it was just fantastic to see. And I think, like, you'll be someone that's been mentored by, you'll have people that have been supporting you, but you'll also be able to support others that are younger than you. So my son Judah loves the drums. Where are you, Judah? Yeah, mate. So it's like, you know, this is going to continue on for generations. And we're called to praise God, aren't we? So can we give God some praise for what he's doing in this place? God is doing a new thing, and he's starting it in our hearts and in our minds And as we submit our hearts and our minds to him, he's starting to transform our thinking. And um, it is a bit different thinking, the way of the exile. And tonight, I want you to think of yourself as an exile. I want you to take on that concept. Um, Tonight, in our Desire series, we are coming to the theme of exile. And I wondered, what, what is your understanding of an exile? And it's probably increased after watching that short video. Um, but when my son was asked last week to do a few simple things around the house, my wife asked him to just, you know, knock the food off into the bin, clean the plates. He stood there and said, I feel like the Israelites. <laughs> so sometimes maybe your exile moment is cleaning up. And you might feel like an exile when you're asked to do things that you don't want to do. Um, But the definition of exile is being removed from your home, from your native country and placed somewhere else. Uh, It's a bit different from the current uh, philosopher, Taylor Swift, um, who in 2020 wrote a song about being in exile. But that was actually more about um, a love leaving her and how she felt lost and alone because she was no longer loved. So that's kind of not what we're talking about tonight. But I guess the feelings could be similar. Um, We can empathise with Tay-Tay. There's a longing and a desire for love and for your true home. Um, I'm not sure that it's found in her words, and I won't read out any of the words because my wife just dislikes it when people read out lyrics, and that's fine because... Um, that she likes singing them. Um, But some people can't sing, so we read out the lyrics because we can't sing. Um, But I won't do either tonight. But I propose that just as the Israelites were exiles, we also are exiles. And tonight we'll be moving through the first half of Jeremiah 29. Um, So I'd love you to get your Bibles or the Bible app ready so that you can be reading along through it, highlighting and just... um, seeing what God speaks to you tonight. Um, Before we do, uh, let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you that despite our disobedience, despite who we are, you still love us, that you sent your one and only son to die for us. I pray tonight as we read your word, your spirit would guide us to your truth. 
that you would convict, that you would encourage, and you would inspire us to live a life that would please you. I pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Uh, The passage of Jeremiah 29, some of it might be familiar to you, but we'll just uh, start with the first three verses. It says this, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into the exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after the king Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. This letter was sent by the hand of Elisar and the son of Saphan and um, Gemariah, the son of Hilakiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It's all a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? But Nebuchadnezzar was actually pretty smart because what we see here is he's actually taking the best of the best, right? He's taking the best. He's taking the queen. He's taking the eunuchs. He's taking the craftsmen, the ones that would add value to Babylon because he knows that if he can get the best minds, if he can get the best people, that will elevate his status, that will elevate the things that he wants to do. He's not actually looking to destroy these people. He's looking to assimilate them into his culture. You see, the context here is the Israelites were living in a way that was unfaithful to God, and God actually put them into exile. They were pursuing their own selfish and sinful desires, and they had largely forgotten God and were living in a way that didn't reflect their maker. God saw their hearts and their actions, and guess what? He was not impressed. Even still, despite how sinful the Israelites were, we see God's heart for his people. God's heart for a unified community who love him and serve those around him. Let's continue to read in verses 4 and 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. Hang on. It seems a little bit strange that On one hand, God is upset and that his people haven't been honouring him. They've been unfaithful and he's taken them out of their home and placed them in exile in Babylon. But then he goes around and says, this is actually what I want you to do. He says, I want you to bear fruit. I want you to multiply. And so I was thinking about this and I'm thinking, next time I'm in tough circumstances, next time you're in tough circumstances... That's a time to remember that actually Christ is enough for you. It wouldn't have been an easy place for the Israelites to live in Babylon. It would have been a really tricky place. They've come from a place of relative ease and comfort and now going into this new culture. You see, Christ knows our troubles and he is there for us. And where Christ is, guess what? There is freedom. 
The world is saying defeated and captive. This is what it's saying to us. You're defeated and captive. That's what Babylon was saying. But Jesus is saying multiply and do not decrease. You see, as a Christian, as someone that loves Jesus, when we come into hardships, when we come into struggles, when we come into exile, we can believe what others say. We can believe what our mind says. You're a failure. You haven't made it. You're not successful. You can never do anything right. You're not worthy. You know, we can believe those lies or we can believe what Jesus says about us. What he is saying, in a nutshell, is make yourself at home here in me. Well, a question for you guys is, what are some of the things that you do at home? What are some of the things? I want you to spend 30 seconds talking to the person next to you. Uh, If you're online, put it in the chat, talk to the people in the space, and say, what do you enjoy doing at home? When you get home, what do you do? First up, we'll come back in a sec. All right, hopefully you've had some good discussions. I don't reckon any of, you, any of you probably said, when I go home, I'm going to multiply, I'm going to thrive, I'm going to like just nail it, I'm going to kill it. You probably were like, I just like sit on the couch and relax and be comfortable. For me, I like taking my shoes off, right? It's like you've had a long day, you've been doing some things, so you just take your shoes off and you just sit back and relax. Um, but... You see, God wants you to thrive and flourish regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your day, when you come home. And it's not just an individual thing. You see, uh, sometimes when I read the Bible or when we read the Bible, we take it on as just like an individualistic approach. And it's all about me and what I do and my my personal relationship with God. But actually, it's community. It's, it's in community that we relate with God and with each other. Yes, we, we do have our individual times with God, but it's in community that we relate. It's as we do life that we relate with God. And so God's desire is that we would all come to him, worship him, talk to him, and seek him when we come home. We would love him with our whole heart and also love others. Let's dig into verse 4 and 6. And this is uh, what God, um, who has sent his people into exile, he wants them to multiply and flourish. This is 4 and 6. Let's, sorry, let's look at verse 7. This is a really good one. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. My premise tonight is we are also in exile. We can rely on God and seek him for the benefit of others. It's not our own individual pursuit. It's for the benefit of the community, 
for us here tonight, it's Launceston, or maybe you're online in another city, but it's your city, the benefit of that city. What does seeking the welfare look like for us in this current time and place? You see, culture would tell us one thing, to relate and respond in one way, and it is very individualistic. If you just look at the types of songs that come out all the time, it's all about, I don't need anyone else. I don't need anything else. I just need myself. I just need to be the best version of myself. Who has heard like that in our current culture? You just need to work harder. You just need to just like, you know, be the best woman you can be, be strong. Uh, you just need to be the best version of yourself. That is just, that's, really it's a lie, you know? It's so hard if you're told to be the best version of yourself, right? It's just, it's not really achievable. And what is the best version of yourself? Well, hopefully we can see in a little bit longer. So we are in exile, so we can rely on God and seek him for the benefit of others. Verse 8 to 9 says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. You see, the message that Jeremiah was bringing was just counter the culture. There were, there were prophets and prophetesses, prof, prophetess, prophetess, female prophets, um, that were saying things opposite to Jeremiah. They were actually saying, look, you don't have to worry about this exile thing. It's not really a big deal um, because you won't be there very long. It's just a short-term thing. It's just a couple of years. So don't actually listen to Jeremiah. And so that was what was going on in the time. There was false prophets saying you'll only be there in a short time. Hananiah prophesies in chapter 28, the one before this one, that they'll only be in exile for two years. It's really not that bad. Don't bother putting in the effort to your community. Don't bother multiplying. Don't bother increasing. Don't bother seeking the good of your community. That's a lie. Uh, And, you know, sometimes we desire comfort, don't we? I desire comfort, Um, whether that's in the comforts and the pleasures of our life. We want to hear the easy road. We don't want to hear the hard road. We want to hear Jeremiah 29, 11 in isolation, which we'll get to in a minute. We desire comfortable things. Maybe that's um, comfortable shoes. I actually desired some made-in-Australia leather shoes, um, and I bought some. I sometimes enjoy coffee, desire that. It's a comfort thing. Maybe some chips. Uh, I do like chips. Dorothy likes chocolate. Um, some, of, some of you guys like energy drinks, like Red Bull. Uh, Josh, where are you, Josh? Does he like a Red Bull? Is he here tonight? I haven't seen him. Where, where is he? This one's for you, mate. Just a sec. Well, it's for me first. See? Does that sound like a good thing? Here we go. Oh, yeah, it's good. 
It's good, haven't had one of them for a while. But it's to say that it's really easy to, to listen to prophets like Taylor Swift. It's really easy to listen to the messages of the culture. It's so easy to just sing the tunes of our culture. Before we know it, we believe what they say. We believe that we have to be stronger. We believe that we just have to muscle up and do this life on our own, on our own terms as well. You know, you know what happened to Hananiah? Well, she actually died two months after she gave that false testimony. You can read that in Jeremiah 28. So we desire instant. We desire more than we need. We desire things that we don't have, also called coveting. Often we desire what's opposite to the kingdom of God. And these are our worldly desires and passions. And they take us away from the desire of God, just like we saw the Israelites were taken away from God. Their desires had moved from God, and this displeased him. I heard a speaker this week say, we are all materialistic, however you look at it. And you might think to yourself, oh, I'm not really that bad. I'm not really that materialistic. Well, here's a bit of a test for you, okay? How many shoes do you own, right? I mean, I've got a couple of pairs up here already. That's not all the shoes I own. Now ask yourself this question. How many feet do you have? <laughs> now if the answer is you've got more feet than shoes, well, it's pretty clear that you have more than you need and you're living in excess. More shoes? If you've got more feet than shoes, maybe buy some more shoes. I've got four shoes up here. You get the point, though. <laughs> maybe you don't, because I wasn't very clear. When I heard it, it makes sense to me. But when I repeated it, it probably doesn't make sense. How many shirts do you have? How many torsos do you have? Do you have more shirts or more torsos? If you have more shirts, then you're living with more than you probably need. I have more shirts than I need. Um, I have more shoes than I need. Ah, oh, dear. 1 Peter 2, 11 to 12 says this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, that word's like pretty long and we probably don't use it in our current culture, but it kind of means like, Aliens, I guess, uh, sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Oh, this is, a, this is just like a killer, right? This isn't just a soft idea. This is waging war against your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your relationship with God. These desires the passions of the flesh. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And I love the verse that Dorothy brought, Micah 6, 8. This is like good deeds. And it's really challenging because we are to seek justice. 
mercy and walk humbly with our God. This is what God's will is for us. And my wife and I are pretty, pretty challenged at the moment. We're just like, how many people have we had over to our house for dinner that have no way of, of repaying that meal? You know, how many people have we had over to our house for dinner that are different from us? Uh, how many people are we seeking justice and mercy for in our everyday walk? It is a challenge um, to walk in the way that Peter is, is saying this way. It's also a reality that the desires that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis are at war with our soul. Heaven is our home. We are exiles. How we live in spite of our circumstance, knowing that our circumstances are temporary, is so key. You know, the youth have been focusing this year on a a great verse, Romans 12, uh, chapter 2. And you probably just know it off the top of your Romans 12, verse 2. Man, I've got to tell you, I wasn't going to share, but I have had not much sleep in the last... (laughs) three days, so I can't talk good. But hopefully the Holy Spirit just like helps. I don't want any more of that. Josh, Josh, you can have that after. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You see here it says, don't, it doesn't say don't be transformed by the world, does it? But that just happens if we just live in a way that we just let it happen. We're, we're transformed by the messages of the world. And in that video that we saw before, one of the key themes was don't give in. Don't give in. Don't give in. And if you take a couple of words away from tonight that you can take into your week when you're tempted, when there's desires that are contrary to the kingdom of God, when there are things that you know are just not right, don't give in. Don't be transformed by the world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you would test and discern what the will of God is, what is good and perfect will. Verse 10 in Jeremiah 29, not chapter 10, verse 10, says this, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. 70 years, that's a whole lot longer than Hananiah, what she was saying, two years, 70 years. And in my limited research and understanding, I kind of saw that the life expectancy in 6th century BC was about 35, some say it was 70. So it's either 35 or 70 or between there, but even if it is 70, it's still your whole lifetime. If it is 35, it's two lifetimes. So what Jeremiah and what God is saying to his people in exile is, you're going to be there your whole life, really. But I do have this 
thing for you to look forward to. It's different for us, and we'll kind of see a little bit. But we are exiles in a foreign land, and we would die here, and that would be it, if not for Christ and his sacrifice for us. Christ was also exiled, when you think about it, sent from his home in heaven so he could seek the good of not only the city but the whole world. He did this by laying down his life for us while we were still sinners, taking the punishment for our sin and shame so that we could repent and turn away from our sinful desires we have and in that moment become exiles as we discover our true home is heaven. You see, we're kind of before Christ living in this world, kind of not exiles if we're just of this world and living in this world, but as soon as we take on Christ, as soon as we accept him as the one who died for us and who has a new place for us in heaven, our home becomes heaven. What a privilege that is, because heaven's unimaginable bliss, but we're not there yet. So we're exiles because heaven is our home as someone who follows Christ. Now this next verse, some of you will know, some of you will have heard, but it's Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a pretty well-known verse and it's been taken out of context so often because you don't read it in the context of being an exile. You read it in the context of an individual wanting to fulfill your own desires and needs. But this is what it says. It's still very powerful. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You see, plans for welfare. Jesus was exiled from heaven to seek our welfare. This is the welfare that he's, he's talking about. These are the plans that he has for us. We're in exile, but the plans that he has for us are good. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's good, though, because it's God's plans. And who knows here that God's plans are good? Our plans fail. His plans do not fail. He, his plans were for the, exile, for, the, for the Israelites to go into exile. Right? We'll get through this. I'm a bit late already. His plan was for them to go into exile. Not because he abandoned them, not because he didn't love them, because he wanted them to come back to him with a heart that desired after him. Plans for welfare in that context is a bit different than in our individualistic Western context. But he is seeking us, and hear this tonight, Undone. He is seeking us to seek the welfare of our city, our neighbours, our community. That's what he wants for us, to seek the welfare of our city. As exiles in this land, how are we going about that? Micah 6, 8. He wants to give us a hope and a future. And if your hope is in him, he has given you a hope and a future. And that is that he will take you from this place, which ain't so good, and he will take you to heaven because of what his son has done. Our hope is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. His name is Jesus, and he is our, and he is our Father's plan for a future hope. 
And it's not a plan of ease and comfort. It's not a plan of Red Bulls and chocolate. It is a plan, though, of hope for eternity. Verse 12 and 14. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. You see, heaven is our home, and that is Jesus. That is where Jesus will gather the nations together. That is where he will restore what has been lost and bring us back to himself and our home. And those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, I was drawn towards these R.M. Williams for a number of reasons. I did some buyer's research and I was on their website and I was like, wow, they're very expensive. Um, But I had made a commitment to a client that if they signed on, I will buy a pair. And they signed on. And then a couple months later, they came into the office and I was hoping they didn't remember. And they said, where are your RMs? I'm like, yeah, I'm still saving. I'm still selling potatoes to save for these. And um, anyway, they came back six months later and where are your RMs? I'm like, I'm still saving kind of thing, asking for birthday money and and begging people um, to give me dollar coins. Um, and then after about 8 to 12 months, the client sent me a link on uh, Facebook Marketplace and they were like, pretty good price. And I was like, I can't not do this. So I scrounged together lots of birthday money and uh, I bought them. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is in my research, I discovered on the website uh, when you go to repairs, because I wanted to know how much repairs cost, This is what struck me. It said this. It said, repaired by the hands that made them. I was excited, yes, that these shoes would be repaired by the hands that made them. That's not the point. The point is, that's what God does with us. Repaired by the hands that made them. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, he's not talking here about comfort. He's not talking about shoes, houses. He made our hearts. He's repairing them when we come into his hands. You see, and in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. You see, when Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, he wrote that knowing that actually Christ is our heart's desire. He's made our hearts. Our desire is actually Christ. Sometimes we forget that, just like the Israelites forgot it. And God does drastic things 
to bring people back to himself. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't anger. It wasn't this God who was just smiting everyone. It was a loving God who took his people from their home, put them into exile so that they would learn the desire of their heart again so that they would one day come back to him. You see, and that journey continues today as we are exiles. The Holy Spirit tonight is saying, come back to me. Give me your desires. Give me your heart. Delight yourself in me again. You know, and as we close, I challenge you that heaven is your home, whether you know that yet or not. And while you are here in exile, stop listening to the world and seek after Jesus. Awesome. Seek after the welfare of your city. Experience the love of God who exiled his own son so we could be united with him once more. You see, he has made everything beautiful in its own time. And he has put eternity into man's heart. Let me pray for you guys tonight. Father, I thank you that you didn't spare even your son. I thank you that your desire for us is good and pleasing. It's not comfort, but it is good. It is multiplication. It is increase, yes. But your plan for us is that we would desire you above all else. And tonight, I, I want to speak to two, two people in the room tonight. One is that you're not in exile yet. You've, you haven't understood that heaven is your home. You haven't met with the Savior of the universe. You haven't come to him with your brokenness. I pray that tonight you would ask him. You would call out to him. You would be desperate for him to enter into your life that you would seek out his word for you, that you would seek out people around you that love him and you would come into community with God through his son, Jesus. You'd come into community. You would become an exile as heaven becomes your home. The second group is those that feel a bit broken, those that feel like you've done a few Ks, and you just need to come into the hands that made you. Holy Spirit, tonight, would you have your way? Would you tenderly speak to your people who are feeling worn out? Who are feeling broken? who are feeling like the culture is just too much, that it's too hard, I pray that they would fall into your arms 
that they would submit to your care. That as they delight in you, you would become their desire once more. And that we would each flourish together. I praise you, Father, that you are good and your plans for us are good for a hope and for a future. I pray that as we dedicate our lives to you, as we come back to you with our desires, as we say sorry for our selfish desires, that you would place this urgency on our heart for our community. You would place an urgency on our heart for the lost, for the least, for the marginalised, for the oppressed, and that we would see them as you see them. We would see them come to know you, that we would seek the welfare of our city. We praise you for all you're doing in our hearts and our minds tonight. We give you thanks that you are so good. In Jesus' name.